0: We've been in uh, the imprecatory psalms, right? I've never done a series on imprecatory psalms or prayers. And if you're just joining us here for the first time on this, um, we've done a few of them already. And the word imprecatory means to like to uh, in in a straight sense in the dictionary it means to like call a curse on somebody. But that's not what it means here scripturally. It is going to the Lord and praying that your enemies be defeated or your enemies be taken out of the way. And as I said before, sometimes... as a christian and in this side of the the age of grace and the commands of christ where he says pray for your enemies right and do good to those who despitefully use you and those kind of side of things how do you deal with the old testament passages and some new testament passages as well that deal with this kind of imprecatory nature of saying lord defeat my enemies and and sometimes very harsh language that's used and i've gone through this already explaining that Some of this definitely directly relates to that earthly covenant of the promise of the land. When you talk about, like for instance, this is a prayer of David, Psalm 35, and a song of David. Um, But it also deals with, specifically, those physical enemies that were surrounding people. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean you don't have a physical enemy. You have a spiritual enemy, that's for sure, and he's ultimately the one, Satan, the one who is the... his fingerprints are on all the evil in our world right but there are definitely evil men and women and sometimes entire nations that may rise up against you and against your people and how do we confront that and how do we pray and i don't think as i said earlier that it's improper to pray that god take vengeance upon your enemies now with that said i also couple that and say lord let them come to the knowledge of you. I mean, that's what, the, what we want. That's what he wants. It's his, it's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when we pray, it doesn't matter how you pray, where you pray, you really want to be coming in line with God, right? When we come to, for instance, the model prayer of the Lord's Prayer, he says, and you know, Lord, your, right, your will be done, right? Not our will, but your will be done. And that really is how we come to pray, Sometimes we don't even know how to pray. And you'd say, I was thinking about this in the context of what has gone on in the last five weeks in Ukraine. And if you were living in a country or in a region tonight where the potential of bombs falling on you or or there was an enemy in your land from their perspective, how would you pray? And I've been following Christians that have prayed very imprecatory things publicly as they post stuff on Facebook and other, other places, sometimes in video format. And I've wondered... How is it that we deal with that? Well, that's sort of where this was born out and that I wanted to deal with some of these psalms that I traditionally just move over. And I don't really um, pray, or I shouldn't say pray, but have, by exposition, gone through many of these. Uh, I've gone through a lot of psalms over the years, and I, I have, for whatever reason, maybe because I shouldn't have, but I've stayed clear of some of these, maybe because I just feel a little uncomfortable but maybe we need to they're there in your bible for a reason we ought to we ought to be praying more like this so anyways we pick this up in psalm 35 and if you want an outline for this psalm and i'll give you the outline before we read the text david prays in this psalm saying protect me right lord protect me that's the first 10 verses and then the second part verses 11 to 18 is reward me in other words. Lord, bless me in this, uh, even though he was being pursued by his enemy. And then lastly, vindicate me. And really, if you think about those three kind of pieces of the outline, all that, that a lot of times is the heart cry of people. It's been my heart cry before. Lord, protect me. Lord, reward me. Lord, vindicate me. And even more so when you're surrounded by some kind of danger or you're in a in a straight right you're in a a fix where you are you have nothing else to do but to call upon the lord and really we ought to be doing that before we get into that situation with david this psalm is most likely born out of the trouble he had with saul specifically that is what it's believed to you know as he alludes to that and you remember saul who was king of israel but god anointed or had Samuel anoint David as the successor to Saul. That was God's appointment. God did that in David's life. And yet Saul did not step aside and he sought to kill David right early on all the way through. And David fled Saul at various times. And he was surrounded by people who had once been his friend, his friends, all of a sudden became his enemies. And you can feel how that is, right? Maybe you've been in a situation similar to that. Well, anyways, we pick it up. We're going to read down through the first 10 verses. And that's really all we're going to cover tonight because that's the imprecatory part of the psalm. David writes, Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of a shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly, and let his net that has, he has hidden catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. May God add His richest blessing to the reading of His word. Well, David here is calling out for the Lord's protection. And when he goes back to verse one and two there, he says, there's, there's two images that appear here in this, these verses. First of all, plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. When you think about pleading a cause, you're pleading before a judge, right? And the picture would be sort of the scales of justice or a courtroom somewhere where you're pleading for a cause and someone is listening, someone is going to pass judgment. So he begins with that. And he says, in your court, Lord, hear me. And I think that's important, that that's always where, honestly, where God's will and his justice starts, really at his perfect judgment. And we have to rely on that. I I do say this, that um, there are times that all you can go back to is, say, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? But God wants us to plead our cause before him. He's the righteous judge, and he's the one that will hear your cause. David goes to the Lord first with that. But that's not the route that Saul chose, by the way. If you think about David's enemy, Saul didn't go and go before for instance the priests and say who is indeed or the prophet Samuel who is indeed the rightful king well Samuel would have told you who the rightful king was the rightful king was David because he had been anointed and God told him that he would be the king and yet Saul didn't choose that route instead he chose the battle route the route to go to war and to fight David and to try to take his life and of course that's what the second part of that verse says fight against those who fight against me and take hold of a shield and buckler and stand up for my help here's David and this is the same David that comes to light in, in Israel in the account of David and Goliath right where he knew and at one time had stood against the enemy of Israel and had prevailed and yet here later on He's pleading for God to do it again. <laughs> this time with people of his own land, his own nation. And I often think of that because um, it would be good if we could go out and defeat the giant once, right? All of us have, you know, maybe a little bit of fight in us. We can go out and face something at least once. But then to do it again the next day and the next day and the next day, and you sense with David's psalms these imprecatory psalms that he's he's pleading before God to. To do the work. Now I find it interesting too. That you remember the account when David. um, Had an opportunity to kill Saul. And what did he do? Remember what happened? Remember he snuck in at night? And what did he do? He cut the bottom of his robe. Saul's robe. And David even felt bad about doing that. right? But he did not want to raise his hand against what? the Lord's anointed David took the high road and though he praised these imprecatory prayers right when he says you know things like vindicate me O God and plead my cause against an ungodly nation and oh deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man he's not taking it upon himself to do that and I think that's important that's the balance of grace and mercy and justice and it's met ultimately in the Lord so I don't think it's wrong for a believer to pray a prayer and say, there's this evil in my world. Maybe it's in the form of something going on, you know, but a person, a leader, Lord, you do your work, you take them out. That sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? I don't even like that. And yet, when, if I was to all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to be the instrument that does that. Well, that's stepping over the line because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And ultimately, that's where that resides. And as I said, it also is this that you know when you te- when you think of the teachings of Christ, he teaches us to really love our enemies, and that part is harder, isn't it? It's much harder than fighting. <laughs> and yet, there is a balance. And I think when you talk about uh, in this prayer, this psalm. David calls on the angel of the Lord. And I believe in the, the straight sense, the angel of the Lord, which is a title of the Lord himself, he's calling on God to enact his vengeance and justice. And we know that the angel of the Lord, remember the one who appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre, Genesis 18.1, and then later Jesus says to the people in John 8, he was the one that was with Abraham on the plains of Mary he says Abraham rejoiced to see my day and was glad in it and we talked about that what last week or so in our our Sunday morning service and I say it this way because that same Jesus who would teach um on the for instance you know going the extra mile with those who constrain you to do that or if someone smites you on the cheek turn the other cheek right and to love your enemies or to do good to those who spitefully use you he was also the one that was used in vengeance even prior to that and will someday again come again in great wrath and understand that that's that lion and the lamb in this age in this dispensation that we live in I say this, that we are to be going out into a world that's hostile, and we're to be the light of the gospel primarily in doing that. But is it wrong to say, Lord, take away my enemies? Well, I, uh, perhaps, to, and maybe a lesser degree, and maybe I'm not thinking about it
1: correctly at all, but when the scriptures in the New Testament talk about uh, those that are so discord, and say, mm. after a man who is inherited, after the first and second <coughs> bad condition, reject. Yeah. No.
0: I think that sometimes you're placed in a position of being able to pray that kind of imprecatory prayer as a you know you're praying because you are facing it directly and sometimes it's vague and we just say well that's not for me to do you know but I would just say that no there are times when we are directly called to do stuff and I do believe that God is, you know, he's not for evil. You know, obviously, right? Evil does not come from him. Sin did not come from him. And <clears throat> I thought of that um, a couple, three, four years ago, whatever. Randy was with me and I think Sam and a few others. We went down to a, um, uh, what was it called? A sheep or she- was it a sheepdog conference or whatever it was? The, and it was down at uh, Calvary Chapel. And we had, yeah, it was for church security. And we had some people come in. And that you know, um, talked to us about various things, and it was it was really good. It was they hosted it with law enforcement, and having that and talking about you know evil things that happen in houses of worship, okay, and how you know churches can do proactive things to stop that and all that. And honestly, from a Christian perspective, a lot of times we have our head in the sand when it comes to evil that's out there, and things that are going on, and that there are people that want to do you harm, okay. Now. We're not probably a big target in Madawaska, Maine, all right? And, and that's true. But it was interesting because we had the pastor there that spoke. He, he was one of the men that spoke. The pastor of Sutherland Springs Baptist Church, which is in Texas. And it's just a little community, a little you know, bump in the road. And they had an awful thing happen there. about Well, it had just happened that year. I mean, it was very fresh in his mind, for sure. Where, remember, a gunman came in. And he began to to just shoot up that little church, and uh, and talk about just a hard thing. The the two people in that church that were they were always armed. They came to church. One was the pastor, and one was another man, a deacon. And you know, Texas, you're armed, right? And he said we were always at church armed. And that was the one weekend that both of them were, were away. And one was actually at an NRA conference. Uh, the pastor learning to be an instructor for a kids camp program in riflery. And he was away that weekend and his own daughter got shot and killed in that church. Awful. There were over like 20 something people that were, were shot. It was, uh, it's really awful what took place. And there was a guy down the road, a Christian, and he was not at that church that day. And he heard that report of that rifle going off. Boom 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 and he could hear that and he immediately ran down and grabbed his rifle and he grabbed a handful of ammunition he didn't have time to put his shoes on and he ran and as he was running to that he asked God to give him some kind of uh, help in putting an end to this because he realized what was going on and uh, his daughter actually had come through the door and said someone's shooting up the church and he went there and he said the gunman came out of the church long enough. They met, uh, they met eyes like that. The man was wearing body armor, ballistic plates, actually, that a rifle wouldn't penetrate. And he said, I raised my rifle, and I looked at that man, and I said, God help me. And he placed a round right between his rifle plates, thunk, like this. And the man immediately realized he was sobered up like that. And he went to his vehicle, and he tried to flee. And he eventually died of his wounds. And he, the, the fellow that shot him also put a couple more rounds through his back windshield as the guy was fleeing. And later the police said, had he not intervened, this man was prepared to go down the road to another church and do the same thing. And I say, that's awful. And I'm just saying that because you can sense if something like that happened. What would you do, right? And you know, is there a time where we say, Lord, I have to meet evil directly. And I want you to be with me. And it was an interesting thing that the man said, and I, I don't doubt any of it. And when he says this, he says, "I sensed the Holy Spirit was upon me when I shot the man." And I, and you may disagree with that. You know, there are people that say yeah, that's never right. Well, you know what? Evil will always reign if good men do not confront it. You know, I think our first defense is to pray, as Jesus said, "Deliver us from evil." That He taught His disciples to pray that sometimes that comes in the form of a man who who decides he's going to go and defend um, some people you know and and i i honestly it's very unlikely anything like that would happen in a church in america like if you go to a church it's very unlikely very few of those things actually happen statistically you're far more apt to die in a car accident going to church but nevertheless. Those are the kind of things that when you come to these imprecatory prayers, you sense that there is evil around David. In this case, it's really sad, but it's Saul. And Saul was not just seeking to give David a hard time. He wanted him dead. And he had already tried to kill David several times. And yet David takes the high road where he can. And he lets God work out the details of how that went. Anyways, I, I didn't plan on that illustration, but it was kind of what you were saying, you know, in in the nature of these things. I, I think that sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong, and it,
1: mm. it's hard to judge on those things. I, I think of Paul for the Sanhedrin when they they would some one of the uh, guards said to strike Paul in the mouth, and mm-hmm. uh, this is what Paul said to him: This is NIV. God will strike you, you white whitewashed wall. You sit here to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Then he says this, but those standing nearby say, How dare you insult the high priest of God? Mm -hmm. Then he says, and this again shows us the problem. Mm -hmm. It to me. He has the right heart. He says, Oh, he he says, I was not aware that he was the high priest. He says, uh, Because it is said, uh, Do not speak evil against the ruler of your peoples. You see, Mm -hmm. that's Paul
0: and yet at the same time Peter was told to put up his sword I know right and then another you know previous to that when he says look we have two swords Jesus says it's enough he doesn't say get rid of them but he says it's enough you know it's that reliance on trust of faith that I think is necessary but also the idea of, of I think of the psalm that says that the horse is prepared for the day of battle but the victory is the Lord's right a warhorse takes years to train and prepare. Someone had to prepare the war horse. But the victory is ultimately the Lord's. That's the aspect of reliance and faith. You have the best armies, the best trained horses in that case or whatever, and the Lord's not in it. It's going to fail. And I, I worry about that for my own nation, to be honest with you. I, we are a very strong nation still, but we are headed down a very dark path very quickly. And you can see how quickly something can change overnight that would would cause a great nation to go under, and world history is filled with anecdotes of that, um, including the Roman Empire, which took about 100 years to actually die (laughs) as an empire, but it it died out through mostly corruption, and it fell from decadence within, Um, not an enemy without, and I worry about that. Nevertheless, we'll go back to this there, but good points. And feel free, I tell people, hey, you got something you want to add to this or, or say or whatever? Feel free to, to share. He goes on to say this, uh, and again, uh, you have that vindicate me, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. This is from Psalm 43, not Psalm 35. But that's a common theme throughout the scripture of plead my cause, plead my cause. It's in all, a lot of the prophets have that same uh, quote uh, or similar. Isaiah is one, Jeremiah. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children, I will bring charges. You see the great judge? There isn't anybody that gets away with sin. And you're either, your sin is covered by Christ's atoning blood his righteousness or your sin is on you and the great judge will judge and the charges are laid out before us already if you're not under his salvation right anyways micah hear now what the lord says arise plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice micah pleading you know out the, na- the voice of god he goes on uh oh and this is in hebrews in, in the book of Hebrews, we have one who pleads our cause, right? Uh, for Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, what? For us. For us. What's he doing for us? He's As his high priestly manner, he's interceding on our behalf And we'll do so for eternity. We have a high priest who ever lives, you know, to make intercession for us. That means forever. And and this is the truth. If he failed to do that even one day, our sin would be before a holy righteous God. But our sins are paid for. He's declared you righteous. And he'll forever plead our cause as our advocate, right? That's 1 John. Chapter 2, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And I look at that as saying, um, here's Jesus pleading our cause. And ultimately that's the person we go to, right? Um, He's the one who's our intermediary, uh, our priest, our priest in that way but you know the lord is also a god of battle and you see the imagery of the judge but you see time and time again in the scriptures the image of a warrior psalm 24 8 who is this king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle he displayed his strength in battle how about in exodus 15, verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now, for the Israelite, he could say that, right? And we sang that song, who is on the Lord's side? I want to be on his side because you cannot prevail against God, right? How about um, other passages like uh, Joshua? How about this one? Joshua 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man, capital M there in the New King James, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And look what it says. So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Now, can I tell you this? If you worshipped an angel, just an angel, angels are just other created beings. Actually, we have that image later on in Revelation, right? And don't do that, is the response of the angel. This one doesn't doesn't, uh, say, stop worshipping me, right? He says this, and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? then the commander of the lord's army said to joshua take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy and joshua did so that's very similar to what his predecessor experienced in the burning bush experience right in the wilderness you're on holy ground take off your sandals this was the same lord and i would say this is a pre-incarnate christ actually that you're seeing here in the book of joshua a christophany is a theological term or a theophany and that is what's going on Joshua recognized who he was when he spoke but he appeared as a man and he was a man a battle in battle arraignment and so i do think sometimes we have like i said the only one side of the nature of jesus painted as only meek and mild right but he's also the battle warrior and it's good to be on his side right <laughs> psalm 35:19 um, jumping ahead we, and i I've got to find my notes so I don't skip too far here but you have here um, David talking about the fact that he was hated by his enemy let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies nor let them wink the eye with the eye who hate me without a cause so there's, his enemy hated him then verse 11 in this same psalm And in this one, we find that they lied. Fierce witnesses rise up. And these are false witnesses. And David's saying, plead my cause, Lord, against the false witnesses. How about verse 2, where we just looked at, take hold of a shield and buckler and stand up for my help. They wanted to cause him harm or persecute him. And that's really what's coupled there. And the picture here is, take hold of a shield and a buckler. Those are the two strong, one being a defensive uh, weapon, which is your shield. A buckler, in particular, is a big shield. And the spear, um, or the shield and buckler, excuse me, and take hold of those things. And he was just saying this, that, you know, he wants to be, he, wa- he needed his defense to do that. Stand up for my help. Verse 4, we find out also that... Um, they wanted to kill him look what it says uh, let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt the idea is an injurious hurt that leads to death and they wanted to do that and i could go on and on with the verse just you, you paint a, a very dark picture for david he's in a bad spot right there uh, with that and yet god was going to enact his justice with that and i like what he says here Uh, he says also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me see that's that imprecatory nature you're saying you know draw that spear but stop them right you're saying lord hinder them from hurting me but i like this part say to my soul i am your salvation You know, I think what you're seeing here is the heart of David. He's very honest. Obviously, the Holy Spirit breathing out his word through this psalm of David. But David is in a place where he needs to be reaffirmed that God is his salvation. And listen, you might know that right now, sitting here tonight. But tomorrow when the whatever enemy comes and you face that, you need to be reminded. I need to be reminded he's still my yeshua right salvation and i've needed that many times in my life where i've just said oh god i'm at it again i'm here in this bad spot again and i need you to remind my soul i can remind my brain and i can read scripture i can do that but i just don't feel it today and we don't like talk about feeling but you know what that's what david's saying tell my soul that you're still my salvation that's even greater isn't it over and over again we see how God works his work and there's often in scripture these images of the Lord who really dealt harshly with the enemies of his people and if I was an enemy to Christ today I'm not but I would take note of that and I mean that because there are people I think Joe and I were talking before church and he had someone once tell him that I think all Christians should be dead, you know, uh, and that they worshipped Satan, That specifically this, this lady. Um, and, and I thought, that's a dangerous spot to be in. Not because of the Christians you hate. You hate us because you hate him. You know, you may go through life, you don't have to worry too much about me, but you better worry about him because you'll meet him. And he's not going to be the lamb. He's going to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. Fierce. And the one that could have saved you is now your judge and you've rejected him. Think of that. And I often say this in the imagery of the New Testament in the book of Revelation. At the great white throne judgment. Where the Bible says that the sea and the land and everything there gave up its dead. And there's a resurrection of the unjust. And they will stand before the Lord. And they will see in their resurrected state the glory of God in all his brightness and beauty, yet he's there as their judge, and he will say, depart from me into everlasting darkness. The very last thing they will see forever is what they could have had, but they rejected. And my friends, that is just such a tragedy. That's really a tragedy when you come down to that, especially those that have heard and, and perhaps even understood and have rejected I really think it's the only unpardonable sin is the rejection of the Lord and his salvation. Pharaoh, good example, right? Exodus 14. The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. A picture of the image of God, the one who's all around. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near and the other all that night. Here a picture of how both the same Lord can be a hindrance to the enemy but salvation to his own. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and on the, their left. Uh, and the, the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen now it came to pass in the morning watch that the lord looked down upon the army of the egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and he troubled the army of the egyptians and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty and the egyptians said let us flee from the face of israel for the lord fights for them against the egyptians that's the most powerful army of the time is the egyptians just so you know and you know i can say you can trust in your chariots and trust in all your weaponry and all that and it isn't going to save you if you're on the wrong side then the lord said to moses stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the egyptians and on their chariots and on their horsemen and moses stretched out his hand over the sea and when the morning appeared the sea returned to its full depth while the egyptians were fleeing into it And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Biggest army on earth wiped out, boom, drowned. And uh, these, these stories are there for people's instruction and that we might not go in the way of the Egyptians, right? And as a nation, not go in the way of the Egyptians in that. Psalm 34 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. And that's, by the way, the cry of David. And the next very psalm when he says, Let those be put to shame who brought to dishonor, who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Again, he's praying, God, you deal with them and you deal harshly with them. Don't just change their heart in that way, but bring them to confusion, right? And there's a lot of things that could be said about that. Well, we're almost out of time here, and I just I thought about this uh, just quickly here, the last verses. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly and let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction let him fall probably the best illustration of that from the bible is in the story of esther right when you have haman who goes and has gallows built to kill the jews a place of execution and what happens haman ends up on those gallows right esther 7 verse 9 Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. You know, the very net that Haman had spread for Mordecai was the undoing of his own life. And for those who are the enemies of God, that is what they will face someday with him enacting justice on them. David was very right in calling out to the Lord. Lord, you deal with them. You do. Let's pray. Lord, we are, uh, again, just as we've gone hastily through this part of this psalm, we're reminded that we live in a world that is evil. It is not much different, really, than David's time. And, Lord, we know that we are to somehow operate in this world wise as serpents and yet harmless as doves. We would pray to that end. We pray that we'd be able to keep a peaceful existence. That is part of what you've told us to do. And, Lord, I pray that if there's opportunities to minister, even those who hate you, that, oh, God, you give us those opportunities and that many would repent and come to saving faith. And yet, Lord, we also recognize there are those that are just evil their heart is filled with that continually and lord we pray you deliver us from that hinder that in our world in our families in our community we pray your protection upon us O lord and lord that you would deal with your enemies as you see appropriate and lord we just thank you that you are a good god and the judge of all the earth and you always do right in jesus name we pray amen